the, my heart goes out, and I want to thank the choir. What a beautiful song. And to sing it behind a mask. I, I was humming it, and my glasses were fogging up. I can't imagine how in the world you all did that so well. But thank you for the blessing of that song. We're in a series, and it's based on the fact that Jesus had a question for his disciples. He wanted to ask them, who do people say that I am? And uh, they had lots of different responses. And then he got more, became more personal. He said, well, who do you say that I am? And they all kind of fumbled around. And uh, Peter said, you are the Christ. And it was this aha moment of really seeing and naming who Jesus Christ is. And uh, I wish, and this series that we're looking at comes from, I wish they would have turned around and said, okay, Jesus, that's who you are. Tell me who I am. Who am I? And so we're going to the words of Jesus. We're going to the word of God to discover kind of in a process, systematically unpacking who Jesus says we are. And it starts out with that amazing thought that before creation was created, when there was nothing but God, he, the Bible tells us, he thought of you, knew you. You were known before the creation of the world. And then as the world was created, you were created in the image of God. Unique to all creation, nothing else in creation comes close to who we are because we are created differently. We're created in the image of God. And then uh, we discover early on that well, since we're created in the image of God, maybe it would be good for us to play God, to be God. And then everything falls apart. And uh, we discover that we're sinful, we're broken. Um, and but God doesn't leave it there. He has a plan. And the plan is to send his son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life. It says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. So we are redeemed through faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. His, we trade our sin for his, the, and he, he pays the penalty, and we get his rightness. And then it doesn't end there. We are a new creation. The old is gone and behold, the Bible says, the new has come. So what does that new look like? Well, it's very, very special. And before we hear what that new looks like, let's take a moment and prepare our hearts to hear the good news. Gracious Heavenly Father, we in this room and those across the world, we come before you. And we ask that your Holy Spirit would do what your Holy Spirit does so well. Take words that are written on the page, special words, and write them on our hearts that changes us. Words of truth that changes us to be more like Jesus. 
If there was anything that would hinder us hearing you, I pray that you would remove it. For we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Now, if I were to ask you, who do you say you are? We would answer that differently in different phases of our life. But almost every response would be tied in to what we do. That's how we, many of us, see ourselves. Our identity comes from what we do. And we do different things at different times in our life. Early on, you might say, ah, I'm a first grader. I'm a friend. I'm a brother. I'm a cousin. Might be as you get a little older, uh, I'm a middle school, high school student. I'm a football player. I, then I'm a graduate. I'm a college student. I might even be a Buckeye. And it goes on. I'm a fiance. I'm a skydiver. I'm a guitar player. I'm a parent. I'm a pastor. I'm a boss. I am a, a doctor. I'm a grandfather. I'm a COVID survivor. See, most of the time we answer that question of who we are by reflecting on what we do. Actions and uh, aspects of our lives will distinguish us, but they do not define us. They don't tell us who we are because all of those things can change. So who, who are we? For instance, today I'm officiating a wedding. So if you're in the parking lot at 12.01, uh, I have to be downtown at 12.35 to ask this couple if they're each going to do what they promised to do. And their Facebook pages will go from in a relationship to marriage, but it doesn't change them at the core of who they are. To know who you are is something that is durable, that does not change. Last week in our series, as I reminded you, you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So if that's true, what is it that's new about us that was not true about us before we put our faith in Jesus Christ? Well, the thing that is new is that you now are a child of God. That is the new thing. You are a child of God. We find from the writing of John, writing his gospel in the first chapter, he tells us who we are because of what Christ has done. It says he came to his own, speaking of Jesus, people and People did not receive him, but to all who received him, to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, 
who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Do you see who you are? This new thing you have become by faith, you become a child of God. You didn't become a child of God because of your bloodline. You didn't become a child of God by the will of your flesh or some sexual activity or the will of a person, but you became a child of God by the will of God. Now notice, you don't earn this. This is what you become by the will of God. And if you grasp it, it is revolutionary in its meaning. Not only for our very lives, but it changes everything about us. If you grasp that you are a child of God, it will change your todays and all of your tomorrows. Now, the church forgot that they were a child of God. Some 30, uh, 60 years later, Jesus dies around 33 um, AD, and John is writing in the 90 ADs, and the church has forgotten who they are. And so in John's epistle, he writes, he says this. John, 1 John 3, 1. Behold, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Now, Notice if you have your Bible and you're looking at the ESV, that's not exactly what it says. If you have the NIV, it's not exactly what it says. I had to go to the King James so that you would know what E-Day means. The word behold. The word E-Day is a Greek imperative. It is the word surprise. Pay attention. Don't miss this. E-Day, it's observable, it is a fact. Behold what manner of love the Father has for us. And this word manner is, is behold, the manner of love. Is this love something that kind of God doles out? No. This word Behold what manner, the word actually is lavishes. Behold the lavishness of the love of God. And some would say the greatest experience you can have as a human being is to love. There's a reason for that being the great ex greatest experience you can ever have. There are two reasons for it. First of all, love is, uh, Paul says in Corinthians, faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest is Why? Certainly hope. You can't live without hope. And faith gives us the foundation by which we operate and live our lives. Why is love greater than those other two? Because in heaven, 
you don't need faith and hope. In heaven, faith and hope go away. Hope is experience those things that are not yet true that you know are true. In heaven, you will live in the midst of that. There's no hope in heaven. And there's no faith in heaven because what you see through a glass darkly on this earth, you now see face to face. And so the one eternal thing, action that will last forever is love. But here's the other thing that you may not have realized about love. Before the world was created in the nothingness, before anything existed but God, there existed God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in what's known as the Trinity. And the Trinity was a relationship of love. Love existed before anything else and it will continue on eternally. That's why it is the greatest experience you can have because it is eternal. It is the very character. It's understanding and living the character of God that he lavishes on us. And I was trying to say, how do, how do I get you and how do I grasp for me the idea of lavished? And, and the, about the only thing as I was doing that that came to mind was, I don't know if you've ever seen Niagara Falls, but that water lavishes over the side. And if you've been in the maid of the mist, you've gotten wet as you go around it because going through them, it would sink the boat. I'd love to have you in your mind's eye Go under Niagara's Falls with a little styrofoam, well, paper cup, because styrofoam is bad for the uh, environment. But a paper cup and get a drink of water from Niagara Falls. That cup would be lavished with water. Behold, the lavishness of the love of God how do we know that lavishness? Because we become his children. We are called his children out of his love. It pours over us. And that love makes us a child of God. The perfect love. How does God love us perfectly? He sent his only son. He gave, lavishly allowed his son's death to pour over us that we would become his children. God gave himself for us in an unrestrained manner to know the abundance of life that comes from being his child. And when you hear about it, when that love flows over you, it's an invitation to live into who you and I are called to be. And we are named his child. The Bible says we are adopted. The apostle Paul, who had the perfect 
religious pedigree. He writes this in the, to the Ephesians, to us this morning. Praise, to, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. What are those blessings like? He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he freely given us in the one he loves. Notice, blessed, chosen, predestined to be adopted. And I've shared before when we've looked at this text in, in, uh, in, in Romans and other places, the idea of adoption in the day was when you had a child, you were not necessarily stuck with the child that you were given to birth in the natural way. There were ways under Roman law to get rid of kids you didn't want. But if you adopted a child, if you said, I choose this one to be in my family, to be my child, my son or daughter, Roman law said that was final. You could never, ever disown, unadopt that child because you knew what you were getting. And so, we're just not natural children. We're adopted. We're adopted. It blew Paul away. And, and, and when an adoption happens in accordance with his pleasure and his will. Now, we're not adopted because we're so special and nice. Oh, I'm not adopted because I'm special and nice. Not sure about some of you. Accordance to God's pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace. My adoption makes God's grace look awesome to everybody else because I don't deserve that adoption. And so he grabs hold of us, knowing all about us, but he does it with pleasure and he does it with his will and he does it by his grace. Do you know who you are? It's why it's so important that we know about this lavish love of God. God loved us and has called us Stop being who you were and risk being who you now are. The lavish love found in the cross forgives us. We're adopted. He keeps us. Never to let go of us. It's not that his love demands conformity. His love is transformative. So we would resemble him. 
Do you know who you are? Do you live who you are? Do I live who I am? Now, as I was looking at this, I'm thinking, God, really? But you don't, I mean, you do know how much I struggle. You do know the battles, spiritual battles I've been in that I have not done so well. And many here, much of our Christian life, we feel defeated because we do the things we don't want to do and we don't do the things we should do. Who am I, God? And I was, uh, had the TV on and I uh, happened to be watching one of the Marvel comics movies. And it was about uh, Thor, the god of thunder. Now this in uh, Ragnarok is uh, one of the latest movies. And Thor, he's lost his hammer. You know that that hammer is really important to him. It's it, what he thought was his power. And he's been in a battle and he's losing. He's lost an eye. And evil has him by the throat. Maybe where some of us feel we are. And he has this... <laughs> There's so many things in that little clip. It's the gospel. I'm not like you, Jesus. And what did he tell his disciples before he left? You will do greater things. That's right. You will do greater things than I do. And what did his father say? With two eyes, you never saw clearly. Who are you? The Bible tells us. Jesus tells us. Our heavenly father tells us, you are my child. By faith in Jesus Christ, we are a new thing. And God has lavished his love on us that we would know and live as his children. In the book of Romans, it says that we get to call God Abba, which is a strange deal because it puts in the Aramaic this word daddy. Paul did that so that you would Pay attention, behold. You don't only get to call him father, you get to call him daddy. And we are his child. And do you know the other amazing thing that, that, that the text says? Is that we are co-heirs with Christ. Now, I don't know if that just kind of goes by, whoa, we have an inheritance. That means that uh, in, in the end, when God redoes the kingdom, we're, we're going to get something. We're going to inherit something. That, that, until this week, that's what I thought. Until I read it again, and it says, co-heirs with Christ. Now, why is that different from just inheritance? Because the oldest child always got at least a double portion of the inheritance. Not just 
part of the inheritance, but a double portion of the inheritance. As children of God, we need to walk around like we own the place. Because we do. We do. We co with Christ inherit what God has created, what he will recreate. You are a child of God. Do you know who you are? Do you know what you're becoming? And in one way, I can tell you, I don't have a clue. Because the Bible tells us, 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know when he appears, we will be like him because we shall see him as he is. Every picture of heaven that you have, you need to get rid of. You know, most of us grow up with the idea of clouds, harps, hanging out on the clouds, singing holy, 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 holy kind of thing. Streets of gold. But what this says, we can't even fathom what we are going to be like. We can't even picture what we are going to be like because what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he, Jesus, appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. We're going to look like Jesus. I love Max Lucado, who says, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. I was talking to my son, Andrew, and I will close with this. And uh, our kid's mom would read to them a book, and uh, it's this book, Love You Forever. And if you've never read it, you need to read it, because it is an amazing book and has amazing history behind it. But the song that was in the author's heart was this. I love you forever. I like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. When Andrew, my son, who's about 38, the other night was reading this to his daughters as he put them to bed, he said, Dad, I had to stop. Tears welled up in his eyes because he loved his kids so much. But he remembered his mom's love reading over him, lavishing those words over him. He said, I had to close the book. I could not go on. 
because I was lavishly loved and I lavishly love my kids. God's love is lavished on you. You are his child. He will love you forever. He will like you for always. As long as he's living, your, your baby, you, his baby, will be. You think about that. Amen. Pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, we forget who we are. And when we forget who we are, we don't know how to live. When we know who we are, we will know how to live. Thank you that you call us your child, that you will love us forever. You will like us for always. As long as you're living, your baby will be. And as anyone here doesn't know that lavish love, came and fathomed that someone would love them that much, may they look at the cross. May take, they take a drink from the lavishness of that love and bend their knee to faith in you. And for the rest of us, Lord, may we not be like the early church that has forgotten. For behold, no surprise, the lavishness of the love of God for each of us. We are grateful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you leave this place, may you know who you are. By faith, a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. May you and I live as children of our God and children of the King. Go in peace to love and serve him. Amen.